Hey y'all, Talia and Dooney here. Uh, this is our first solo episode. So I know, we're really excited about it. Um, we hope you all are entertained. You know, we'll, we'll do our best not to suck and shit. <laughs> um, we're gonna start by getting into some beauty news because a lot has been going on in the industry over the last couple of weeks. Um, then we'll talk about our personal journey with beauty and how this podcast came to be. Don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to listen consistently wherever you get your podcasts. Yes, rate and review us. Um, we love to read the reviews. So right now we have like one in America and three from Canada. And <laughs> I would like to read more of them. Please and thank you. <laughs> uh, so as far as beauty news, um, I was, what, what was I doing? Um, I was looking on the internet. And I found that Megan Good recently trademarked Megan Good skin, body, and brows. So mm, I know. Interesting. I mean, how do we feel about that? I know Megan Good has had some like uh, scandals regarding her eyebrows mm. um, as well as her skin. I remember a few mm. weeks ago, people were attacking her for like using some kind of skin lightening something mm -hmm. and she was like no no it was a bad esthetician or something like she yeah. got well, you, you know so maybe unfortunate. She, right like maybe she'll be coming out with something to like combat that so like for mm. women who may have had a bad experience here something that can kind of like get your skin back on track right first of all the fact that you found this is is Girl. impressive to me so Anytime I thought I had a good team of like investigators <laughs> already, mm -mm. but I'm adding you to the list. Mm -hmm. I'd be case. all on the internet in the crevices, like <laughs> what y'all doing over here? <laughs> Just in case. But that'll be interesting. That'll be interesting. I always think that um, you know, celeb inspired lines. I'm always interested in what makes them, like what inspires them mm -hmm. and then how they'll actually do. Yeah, yeah, because she you know? hasn't announced it or anything. Like this yeah. is just me scrolling through through the Googles and I was like, oh, look look what I found on the trademarking mm -hmm. website. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of celebrities, according to Retail Boss Inc., which is one of my favorite Instagram accounts, uh, Kanye trademarked Yeezy for beauty and he's set to launch his own beauty line that is going to include what makeup hair care products scented pine cones and aromatherapy pillows interesting I wonder how that works with like you know his wife has KK beauty KKW I wonder how that works like is this going to be targeted toward men or is this going to be unisex um I'm gonna keep it real with you. Um, as someone, <laughs> as someone from the South Side of Chicago, who from the very beginning has looked at Kanye like a cousin, we're on mm. the outs. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I have no, you have I have no, no words. I have no words. <laughs> you know, I just report the news. I don't. I have no words. <laughs> that is funny. Um, Did it say when when it's expected to drop? Mm mm. Not yet, okay. but you know, I'm sure, I'm sure he'll be making, you know, a big old splash when it I does. Know. You already know. Um, I also, I mean, I guess when I'm thinking about, okay, so when I think about celebrities launching any kind of 
beauty line like okay taraji and hair like mm. get it she has natural hair yeah. she can make a shampoo and conditioner i right. can believe in right Alice um, Ross and pattern right she got hair yeah absolutely now granted Kanye has skin I get it um but <laughs> really he got skin you know <laughs> um but I don't know how I feel about like a makeup palette like That's true. a line of makeup. eyeshadow like I don't I don't I don't know I don't know. I mean, I'm intrigued because it's Kanye, although I am not from the south side of Chicago, so I cannot claim him as a cousin, but Fair. He, you know, Ye was Ye, like, for a long time. He And then he wasn't. And yeah, so. yeah, so I do understand what you mean about, like, kind of just feeling on the outs. But I'm definitely intrigued to see what it is he'll put out. So when I mean, it comes but out. I'm, but I am kind of like a makeup palette really i expect you to try and you let me know because my Why coins me? because my coins my my coins don't don't stretch that far what so makes you think my i because you a scientist <laughs> you got a whole nine to five you big mm. pharma mm. like mm. you know small pharma it's a startup girl <laughs> you built that startup life over here <laughs> you just, i expect you to come with a full eyeshadow palette you and you girl. just let, let me, me tell you know. last time i put eyeshadow on like, that, you tell me how know. that how that deep conditioner was hitting. Uh, you guys work press for Yeezy's beauty team. Please let them know beauty needs me. Would love to try. Thank you. <laughs> exactly. Um, Harlem's Fashion Row, their grant program is now accepting applications. So if you're a black designer that needs some additional assistance, you can apply for that. I know tons of black designers. So um, all y'all. Um, they are accepting applications on a rolling basis. Mm. Uh, so far, they've raised $1 million to support this fund. And I was trying to look to see like what the application looks like. And you specifically have to Google Icon 360 grant application and it'll pop oh, wow. right up. Mm. Because when I was typing in like Harlem's Fashion Row Grant, it was like, oh, this that's not the application. But when you type <laughs> in Icon 360 grant application, it's like the first thing that comes up. Mm. So okay. you can check that out. Um, okay. Speaking okay. of grants, Glossier also launched a grant. Um, yeah. And basically what they did was they they put $1 million into into black people. So uh, $500,000 goes to racial justice organizations such mm. as BLM and the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. And then another 500000 will go into supporting black-owned beauty businesses. Yep. And uh, the interesting thing about this, the the deadline is... Today. Is today. Ooh, ooh. Yep. Shit, the deadline is today. <laughs> um, but you can find out more about the grant um, on their website. And the application process is being helmed by Kim Johnson. She is a black woman. She is the community manager at Glossier. This is a real amazing example of brands putting their money where their mouth is. You know, I think that the pull up or shut up challenge um, that Sharon Shooter uh, founder and CEO of Uma Beauty came up with is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, it's it's amazing to see brands actually responding and releasing this information. Um, Girl, you know, it's amazing that. to see the ones who not responded. That too, because we take a note of all y'all. So not responding. Um, but, you know, Glossier took it a step further. And to think, like, what if more brands did that? Mm -hmm. You know, what if more brands did it? Because let's just, you know, as we all know, 
black people are, you know, we are, we have been systematically kept out of the race in, in, in terms of funding, in terms of ownership. So, you know, this is really phenomenal in my opinion. It is. I was like, okay, we see you. Um, what else? Oh, Lindsay Peoples Wagner, uh, the editor in chief of Team Vogue, mm-hmm. and consultant Sandrine Charles announced mm-hmm. that they are launching the Black and Fashion Council. And I think in general, just this era of time that we're in with people kind of taking matters into their own hands and creating things and demanding for more is amazing. You know, and I know I've heard a lot of criticism about like, well, you know, how are they going to measure success? Not not um the Black and Fashion Council. Um, the Black and Fashion Council. <laughs> Council. Spe- yeah, <laughs> specifically, but in general. But I think, you know, it's important to just start, period. Yeah. It's important to put a stake in the ground and go from there. You know, everyone won't get it right the first go around, but just start. Just but you start. know what I think is really important? I look at the power that, like, police unions have and how mm. if, if a police officer has any type of issue they can just go to a police union it would be nice if you know as a black woman in fashion and beauty i'm like actually it's some shit going on that i don't fuck with i've been to hr and you know they not talking about nothing let me let me go to the 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 black in fashion fashion council council. and see because maybe some you know additional pressure from prominent you know black people right will help that will help yeah you know absolutely Absolutely. I think it's phenomenal. I commend I commend everybody over these past several weeks who have really, you know, stepped up to be the change that they want to see. Absolutely. It's not easy. It's so much easier to read all these things online and criticize and say, mm, I don't know, how's it going to happen? Da, 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 da. But you know what? Things don't get done unless you're actually, you get off the sideline and get into the game. Exactly. So, so speaking of the changes that we want to see, <laughs> you about to be able to go into your local pharmacy and find you a band-aid that matches your skin complexion. Johnson Finally! Johnson and Johnson Johnson has decided to diversify their band-aid selection. Um, We'll see. I mean... Uh, it's a little late for Nelly, but I mean, I was about to say I'm about to totally contradict myself <laughs> and say like, for real, now, now you want to do this? Like they could have been done this, but you know what? Better late than never. Um, there are independent brands out there who have been manufacturing a uh, darker tone, darker skin tone band aids. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? You know, it, it, come on up to the table. You I was know? gonna say, come, I was like, I'm sure. Table. I think I got some brown band aids. Um, yeah. in my in my little cabinet already. Yeah, I was like, yeah. they not Johnson Johnson, but yeah. Um. I mean, it's 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 hard because I actually when when all these brands started posting about like, you know, Black Lives Matter and this and that. At first, I was like, good, like y'all need to. But then I like I took a minute, like, well, wait a minute, what is posting doing? Like, just because you're posting, so what? That's literally literally the bare minimum you know so i kind of feel like with with johnson and johnson it's like now it took all of this for you all to realize that there are black people (laughs) (laughs) just people of color whiskey right right who require you know flesh tone band-aids but you know it's cool it's cool but johnson and johnson is also um, a legacy company and i just think that all of Mm. those all of those legacy companies it's just 
it's just difficult to get them to realize anything. Yeah. Um, but what they're also doing uh, is they will not be selling their most popular skin whitening cream. <laughs> Praise God. It's about damn time. Like, good. popular skin whitening good. cream. Good. Apparently, good. it does really well in Asia and India. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've decided, you know, we're just going to let your skin rock out. You know, I this is absolutely an, an episode or a topic for another episode. Um, but I'm all the way here for the dismantling of all skin whitening products. And for a while, I think it took me it took me a little while to like publicly say this only because I kind of felt like, well, if you if you want to you know, lighten your skin. How different is that from people who decide to perm their hair or this or that? You know what I mean? So like, I feel like I had a very PC perspective on it, but nah, nah, like you cannot, you shouldn't be out here whitening your skin with products that are detrimental to your health. Mm-hmm. It just is ridiculous. And I, I mean, I think there's, it's, it's one thing to use a product to maybe combat hyperpigmentation, you know, um, but it's a completely right. different thing to be like, okay, let me let me start working on a white foot and then work my way up. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, what are you doing? I mean, because like, where do you start? Like, how do you? Yeah. You probably yeah. got to start start at the feet when yeah. it's the when it's uh winter because by the time summer come out, you <laughs> you have a full transition. I don't know. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's not. I'm not trying to. You know, I'm not. We're not making fun of people, you know, who bleach. I think it's just like it's that. Don't even sound right. Bleaching your like yeah, that doesn't even sound. This is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. You know, so I'm glad that companies are being are are kind of taking accountability for the role that they play in all of this. Because if we're being honest, these standards of beauty that people aspire to are largely in part because these are what the, these are the images being produced. By these companies you know what i mean like people for how long were beauty brands putting out ads that you know only consisted of white women Mm -hmm. you never saw black women even being considered or being included you know like why do we have to have all these initiatives for black people to be a part of the mix you know so crazy so so this next thing <laughs> reminded me of a, of this scene and don't be a menace, but I'll tell you what it is first. So <laughs> Walgreens, Walmart, and CVS um, have all issued statements saying that they will no longer keep captive the black hair care products in their stores. So what, what does that mean? So apparently this doesn't happen in all locations, um, but in <laughs> I the- I don't even know what you about to say. <laughs> In the locations, in the locations where uh, black people have been deemed untrustworthy, apparently they keep the ethnic hair care products behind a locked glass case and you have to call an employee to come and unlock it. Um, And that's how you get your hair care products. And I was like, so white people not stealing Pantene and and VO5 like where's the data? That says white people are not stealing, you know, products that are that are made specifically for white people. Look, I mean, Winona Ryder will tell you that white people steal. Like, I don't know what y'all think this is. (laughs) Like, don't don't come for us. And 
what mean, it, what's, what stores to me? Walmart and who else? Walmart, CVS, Walmart. And got, Walmart got a lot of damn nerves. Girl, they Y'all really got a lot of nerves. <laughs> they so crazy. They so crazy. They stay coming for me. I don't even. <laughs> I don't even. <laughs> Target doesn't have these problems. I don't even understand. But it reminds me of that that scene in Don't Be a Menace when the Asian store clerks are so busy following around. Oh yes the black men <laughs> that they don't even notice the white man robbing Feeling. the store like Blind. he took yeah. all the groceries and the money out the register Everything. Everything. It's, it's like you're you're so busy worrying about black people still in shea moisture like right. i know i know white girls who use shea moisture mm. i was like don't ethnic hair care me <laughs> <laughs> like y'all get on my nerves mm. <laughs> i was like because and they really put a statement out for that they who who, who was their PR person? I'd have been like, let's just go ahead and make the change. There's no need to release a statement because many people probably didn't even realize that that's what was happening At unless all. you lived in, in, in those in areas. Area. Exactly. Walmart did it first. And then I think it was like Walgreens and CVS afterwards. And I think that once Walmart did it and announced it, then it put pressure on them to like do the to same do and, yeah. and announce it. Yeah. And announce it. Again, Walmart, you all have a lot of nerve. (laughs) Tell us about your personal journey with beauty. Oh, man. Okay, so, you know, I'm actually going to take this back a little bit. But I would say when I was four, this is the first time that um, I think anything beauty related came up. And I don't particularly remember this, but... Um, my mother does and I was four I came home and told my mom I wanted my name to be Sandy and my mother (laughs) was very perplexed I do remember her (laughs) I don't remember saying that but I remember her um, that being the day that she told me what my name meant and that was the day that she started to reinforce who I am were y'all watching Grease at school? Like, why Sandy? I don't know. I think it's because I went to, I was surrounded by all white kids at the time. And, <laughs> oh, I'm lying. I do. We were watching Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> Yo, my mother watched Wheel of Fortune every day to this day at 730. And there was a woman named Sandy. And she was white and, you know, had blonde hair. And my mother was like, Sandy K. Mm-mm-mm. Your name is Don Santi, like, you know, your name is like Oluwaduni. And she 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 taught me what my name meant. And that was really the beginning of my self-acceptance. And I didn't even know that, you know, at four you can struggle with that. But from then on, what seemed like daily, my mother would tell me how pretty I was. What is your or, name? Or mean? am. God is good. God is sweet. Um, oh, I love that. Yeah. So any variation of God is good. God is sweet. It's good to have God. And so um, my mom, like looking back, she says she was she was so scared that, you know, because my parents immigrated here from Nigeria. She was so scared that I wasn't going to love who I am and love where I was from. So she was like, when she when she heard me say that, she was just like, oh, no, like, you know, these kids need to know exactly who they are. Um, And so my mom always told me how beautiful I was. And she told me daily, like, you know, your skin is pretty, your big eyes are pretty. And so looking back, which I didn't realize until I got older, I never had complexion issues. And I think, you know, unfortunately, 
the general consensus is that darker skin girls, darker skin women don't like having dark skin. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the opposite. I've always loved my skin. You know, my friends will tell you, like, I am the girl that's still, like, I'll go lay out in the sun. I am not afraid of the sun. Like, you cannot tell me all this melanin is not gorgeous. Like, you, you'll you never be able to. And I think that really stemmed from my mom. So what I realized was I always thought that I was enough. I always thought I was enough. Um, despite knowing that my enough wasn't wasn't enough for others. Right. If that makes if that makes sense. No, it it does. And you you bring up something really interesting. Um so this is <laughs> this is actually something that um me and my boyfriend Stuart have talked about before. Mm-hmm. Um so I grew up in a family of like light-skinned people mm-hmm. and and dark-skinned people, right? Mm-hmm. So the idea, if you've ever seen me like nine times out of ten people would not consider me dark skin Mm. um but in my family dark skin and brown skin are interchangeable um Mm. and if you're not light skin and my my great grandmother um she's super super light um she's maybe like one shade darker than white um Mm. if you're not light skin then you're you know brown skin dark skin um just and and that's it and that's it there there is no you know caramel honey like any of this other shit no 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 so it was very much like granted i'm on the lighter you know spectrum of dark skin but it never dawned on me that i was on the darker spectrum of light skin Mm. right Mm. so what did you think you were Dark skin. <laughs> what you mean? I'm dark. <laughs> I, thought, I thought I was. I thought I was dark skin. <laughs> so, but did you? Did you see? What did you think when you saw other dark skin girls? That that just because Lupita's dark skin doesn't mean I'm not dark skin. Like we just not the same complexion of dark skin. You know, like like Gabrielle Union can be dark skin, but she's still lighter than Lupita. I just thought we were all dark skin, mm-hmm. or you were light skin. You know, so you thought you were dark. You just happened to be the lighter shade of dark. The lighter shade of dark. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It like like never, never crossed my mind that that I wasn't I wasn't dark dark skin. Exactly. Well, how Uh, did you how did you did you accept that? Like, did you accept that you were dark? Oh, yeah. Because because in my family, the person who got teased about their complexion was my great grandmother. She got called white girl. So there was there was no negativity mm. around being, you know, dark. brown or dark. And they've always been really big on, you know, taking care of your skin. I mean, right. till this day, they think I do the most with makeup and I just discovered foundation like two months ago. <laughs> so it's like, right. it, it's like I grew up, you know, thinking that like less was more when it came yes. to what we add to yeah. our skin, you yeah. know? Um, I, that resonates yeah. with me because I wasn't allowed to wear makeup until I was 18. I wasn't even allowed to get my nails done. Like, my parents wouldn't allow me to wear nail polish until I was, like, 17. Mm -hmm. It had to be clear. So I had no choice but to just, like, (laughs) however it was, I showed up. Like, because there was was literally nothing I could do, like, but get some braids. Like, that was it. So I had no choice. It was like, well, you gonna have to accept <laughs> what this is, you know. So I, I think that 
as I got older, just realizing, like, I'm not a high-maintenance girl, mm-hmm. you know, in, in terms of, <laughs> let me let me put a caveat there, because I know people who know me are going to be like, girl, bye. Um, <laughs> but in terms of the things that I like to do, like, I'm not the girl that wants to put makeup on every day. I'm not. I'm not the girl that can, I can't wear wigs every day either, because I don't want to go through the hassle of oh, is it blended? Does it look right? Is it like, nah, like I, and I don't want like beauty regimens or hairstyles to conflict with my everyday life. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's too much in life to do than for me to be worried about whether or not my hair is, you know, is, is, is laying properly. But see, that's where I think a wig comes in because I will throw on a little $30 wig and I don't even got to think about that shit. Like, see, I think for me, it's like, I don't know what to do to make it not look like it's $30. And therefore, <laughs> I'm just not about to put it on my head because I'm not walking out this house. I'm not walking out this house looking crazy. So I feel like if that's the case, let me just go ahead and do this twist out because I truly like I like what I see when I look in the mirror. So I'm like, I, my natural hair doesn't bother me. I like my natural hair curl pattern. You know what I mean? And like it, I, I'm still pretty so yeah. therefore if it's between that and trying to fool around with a wig y'all are gonna get this twist out or this fro and that's that I think I think I would be yeah I mean I don't I don't know because as much as I like my natural hair like I find it I find the idea of like good hair to be mm. whatever mm. it is you think makes it good right like i i know girls who they may have a a looser curl pattern but that doesn't necessarily mean that they are that their hair is super manageable like to me good hair is manageable hair and my hair Mm -hmm. is manageable as shit i i love a wash day like Mm. i can detangle my hair super easy now the issue i have is that it's about three to four different curl patterns (laughs) and it's never doing what it needs to do all at the same time consistently Mm. you know and because i have to show up for you know model castings last minute i i would never risk like oh let me take my twist out out and then you don't know what it's gonna do girl and let the humidity hit it because natural having natural hair is being in an abusive relationship that you don't know how to get out of like it's literally it really is and i'm always two twist outs away from cutting my hair off always like and i love i do love i love my how my hair look i love the way it grows out of my head right however the maintenance is frustrating like it's frustrating and the fact that i don't know if when i take this scarf off and take these twist downs if it's gonna look the way that i thought it was gonna look see and <laughs> like and i think the only will reason embarrass you out here and you'll be like damn we talked about this like i gave you everything you asked me for i moisturized you i conditioned you and this is how you repay me like <laughs> i think that the only reason that doesn't bother me is because i know how to wear a wig like Mm. that like my my natural hair doesn't it gives me no issues because i'm like i really don't have to i don't have to participate with you right now (laughs) i'm just gonna i'm gonna do something else real quick and and we're fine like we're fine give me the tips (laughs) i really do i need you to give me the tips because i have spent good money on wigs and then i put them on i'm like i don't 
it does. I don't think this looks as natural on me as it used, as it should, and therefore I just take it off, and I'm and I, it's money, hundreds of dollars down the drain. Ooh, so I just bought my first really expensive wig. Just like side note to get off track really quick. I mean, and when I say really expensive, it was like closer to a hundred dollars. It's a it's a black owned brand, and mm. um, I tried it. And when I tell you that shit cute as hell, I was like, oh <laughs> my god, yo, I, I want like, this is I, cute as hell. I really want to partake. I do. So you cute. gotta teach me. It's so cute, and I don't have to to like style it. So typically, when I buy like a thirty dollar wig off the internet. I have to style it. Like you, you cannot just plop it on your head. If you look at the girl on the box, she look crazy. That's how you're gonna look. You gonna look crazy. <laughs> when it comes to my little cheap wigs, I have to cut them. I have right. some. Sometimes I've added bangs. Like you really have to style it. You have to doctor it up. See, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a sewing girl for sure. Like still, you know what I mean. Like I will. I love. I rather. Me too. Like give me some bundles. Make sure I have an appropriate amount of leave out, and I'm good to go. And I will say, I hadn't got a sew out in maybe a sew in, sew out, what am I talking about? Mm-hmm. A sew in in maybe like 10 years. And then I got one for our trip to Ghana. Mm. Um, and that, when I tell you the fact Yo, that- Yo, your hair looks good. It, it did. It was, your hair looks good. It was amazing. And my little straight um, leave out, I mean, it was like 100 degrees in Ghana. And that shit just laid. And it was so good. I did not have to flat iron it. I didn't have to do anything. It just laid. And I was like, you know what? Look at Meanwhile, Ghana. I was losing my damn mind with my braids. Because <laughs> my scalp was on fire. It was hot. The braids were down my back. I kept trying to put it up. It was a mess. See? <laughs> it was a mess. Okay. All right. So you mentioned your, you mentioned modeling calls. Oh, yeah. Oh, my life. I guess I should tell y'all a little bit about my life. Um, (laughs) uh, So I graduated. So, no, I guess originally I started modeling professionally in 2011. I moved Mm -hmm. to New York from Chicago in 2010. Um, And then in 2011, I started modeling professionally. I literally, you know, went to like uh, Actors Connection and went to some seminar and you had to you had to like read copy like read commercial copy i did that and mm-hmm. the the agent there liked me and she signed me to my first uh modeling contract um a non-exclusive situation and from there i was booking you know i booked my very first thing with toys r us and then i just continued to book things over the years um and then i left that agency i went to another agency uh, i'm currently on my second modeling agency um mm-hmm. and this modeling agency not only do they represent me for like lifestyle and i'm also in the petite division um because i'm i'm i guess i'm kind of small i'm like i'm actually average woman height let me just put that out there i am five four when you google it it's like you the average four? height of a woman i'm yes. five four too see average woman height and so. somebody somebody tells me that five four is not average they don't have for women they don't have no Google. and this person is like six four so i'm like <laughs> you don't count because you are you're not average height right right <laughs> i'm like average average american woman height um but I also, but that's also how I got into shoe modeling. So a lot of my casting uh, casting calls are for makeup brands and hair brands and feet. So anytime, mm. not any anytime, but sometimes when you see like a brown foot, it it may be my foot. <laughs> like my 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 foot gets money. Number one foot model. Not from OnlyFans, you know. (laughs) (laughs) 
I actually wanted to start an OnlyFans, but Girl, I was shut down. Knock you out. I was I, I was shut down. He he ruins everything. I was also I telling know. him. I was also telling him like, oh, did you know that you could be a professional cuddler? And he was like, not you, but I'm sure somebody can be. <laughs> That's good for somebody else. I was like, when the Rona is over, like, I could just get paid to, like, cuddle people. And he was like, yeah, no. <laughs> but, you know, but that's my thing. Like, everyone wants, like, a woman that works until she's out there working. Like, you can't, you can't that's stop me. a whole me. nother podcast episode. I know. Look, look. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Um, and then in 2018, um, I graduated from Acting Conservatory, uh, the William Esper Conservatory. So I've been acting professionally since 2018. I have representation for that as well. Um, so, so yeah. So I think that when it comes to like my personal upkeep, when it comes mm. to like my my skin and my hair, and even even my body, I would say that um, my body probably gets the least amount of attention. Like I'm mm-hmm. skinny, and you know people think like, oh, skinny people are in shape. Let me tell you, that is a lie. I could barely <laughs> walk fast. I'd be tired. <laughs> Oh, and now that they're, you know, I'm not taking the train, I do even less and Mm. I'm just over here, you know, eating bread and expanding. (laughs) (laughs) You on that carb diet. I mean, basically. And, you know, especially like from my modeling agency, like they were sending out Corona updates and, you know, trying to keep us motivated, like make sure y'all are still working out and da da And I was like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) I'm on the couch watching Doug. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I'm like, but but that's been that's been pretty much it. Like, um, aside from, you know, like, that's what I do as a as a job modeling and acting. Um, Yeah. And I also I got into producing. Um, I started a production company. I was in the process of producing my first project when the Rona hit. So it's it's been postponed. Um, Hmm. But. I do that, and I'm a writer, and um, currently in the process of writing my first uh, film. So <laughs> I know. So hopefully, once Hollywood opens back up, they'll be like, "Yeah, Talia, come write, act, produce, in all of this." And I'll be like, "Thanks, guys. I'm, I'm ready." Re- record the podcast on set, right? Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, like, but but your journey with like your journey has primarily been in beauty. So it's so interesting that you say that. Um, So I started, I mean, out of undergrad. (laughs) I mean, you know, I have, I am Nigerian American. So of course, from the time I was four, I was told I'm gonna be a doctor. (laughs) And um, uh, when I decided that that's not what I wanted to be, despite the disappointment, (laughs) I was still very much encouraged to go into science. So I graduated with a degree in chemistry and I knew I didn't want to be in the lab, but I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. I thought I was gonna go to law school and do like patent law, but I figured let me work, you know, as a cosmetic chemist for some time. And it was because I interned at L'Oreal, I think the summer before my last semester of undergrad. I didn't even know that that was a thing, to be honest. I was like, oh, okay, well, if I'm going to be in a lab, I might as well do this because right. I knew, I knew, like, I am not, I don't have the personality of being, like, an analytical chemist, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not, please don't entrust some sort of life-saving drug into my hands. <laughs> right. Like, I, I don't, like, it's not. Nah. <laughs> yeah. I guess I should also, like, say that I did graduate college. I don't know if I <laughs> 
I did. I did do that. Yeah. Um, so I I was a cosmetic chemist for L'Oreal. I made hair styling products. I made makeup, and I did that for a couple years, and then I transferred. I made the switch to the pharmaceutical industry, which I am still employed in the pharma industry. It's my nine to five. Um, so I do have a question. So how yeah. were you making makeup and didn't become uh-huh. like a beauty makeup influencer? Like, how are you Yo, making it and you're honestly, just not honestly, doing it? I feel like I, I missed the boat. My mom used to tell me back then, this is like 2008, 2010. My mother was like, you need to start your own line. You need to do your own this. I was like, that's not really my vision. Like, <laughs> I don't really think that's what I want to do. You're always trying to plan my life. Like, I just... Leave me alone, really, mom. <laughs> I just really wasn't into it. And this was also before social media went off. Like, you know, was a thing. Like, right. Facebook was out there. But, like, it wasn't... There was no Instagram yet. There it was before... Twitter was just starting like influencing was just wasn't a thing Mm. and I was very much like I wanted to get out of the lab and I so I just you know I don't know I I I, you know it's crazy I think about that sometimes but I just don't think that it was I don't think it was the path for me and I don't think it was my time you know and so I got into the pharma industry and then I'm sorry I'm not I'm not over this yet. Um, so oh, how, okay. Go ahead. How was your experience at L'Oreal? Um, you know, it was interesting because, you know, L'Oreal, of course, is corporate, right? Mm-hmm. So on one hand, I was, you know, the, <laughs> the only black chemist, right? Like, not only black chemist in the company, but absolutely in my group until, like, some more joined. So there was, you know, on one hand, I had to deal with, Oh my God! Look at your hair, you know, and all of the all of the salons. Because at L'Oreal they have testing salons. Like the salon that's on site is a testing facility. They mm. used to ask me all the time if I would let them try products on my hair because they were like, we we don't ever get people like black women with natural hair. And I was like, but when all your hair fall out, then who gonna yeah, give you new hair? It's like y'all got me fucked up if y'all think y'all putting them <laughs> chemicals. In these natural curls, it's not about that. I used to tell them no all the time. They would be so, they'd be like, but it's so, oh my God, we just don't get this kind of virgin hair. And I was like, mm, oh my God, oh, well, no, boo. like, nah, it's not <laughs> happening. Um, But, you know, it was, it was cool. It was cool. I appreciated the fact that I was a part of um, something, you know, what am I trying to say? Like, there's, I think, one or two patents that I was a part of. So it's okay. like, there was You invented really some the, shit. I did. I ain't gonna hold you. I'm not gonna lie, y'all. I was really, like, a chemist. Like, for <laughs> real. Like, I was really out here doing my thing, like, with aerosol products and, like, making stuff and, like, like legit, you know? Um, there's definitely a science, you know, behind it. Um, so it was pretty cool. I just, I don't think I could get past the fact that I did not want to be in a lab. Right. Like, I just really didn't want to be in a lab. And um, I really didn't want to be, like, in marketing either. I just, I didn't see that as my, uh, you know, as a way to pivot. Um, and I knew I wanted to help people, and which is what really got me into the pharma industry. Because I was like, okay, I can do this and still feel like I am a part of something that's greater than me. And so... I went to grad school. I worked full-time while going to grad school and then got into the pharma industry. 
And essentially what I do is strategy for drugs, like drug development, working with regulatory agencies and trying to get drugs approved. So I've actually been a part of a drug approval. Like I led the approval for the drug for the company I used to work for. Um, and they've been approved in different countries or whatever. But in 2011, I went I went home, went to Nigeria, and it was the first time I went with my natural hair. And I had been natural for a couple of years by that point. And I spent literally like two weeks gathering all of my supplies, like purchasing all the products that I needed. Um, and I was like, you know, let me let me make sure I have my con- hair conditioners, my leave-in conditioners, my moisturizers, my styling pomades. Right. Because I just wasn't sure, you know, if I was going to be able to find the products that I was accustomed to using here over there. And um, I got frustrated. I was frustrated because I couldn't understand why there were why products like hair products, beauty products weren't available in a consistent manner and in the same magnitude on the continent compared to other places in the world. Mm. And so I was talking to my dad about it and I just kept talking to him about it. And I was like, there has to be a way to get products readily available. And I started to think there aren't products and brands readily available because people don't see the Africa that I see. These big brands don't see what I see. They don't see the sophisticated women who will take dedicated shopping trips out of the country to get the things that they want. They don't see the women that I know who are savvy, who are sophisticated, who, you know, who demand these products as well. And they don't see it because the media doesn't portray that Africa. And that kind that realization really made me frustrated because I was like, they don't see that. They don't see me. Right. You know, because, yes, I was born and raised in America, but I can't deny the duality of my identity. I was raised in a Nigerian home that happens to be located in America. And so I'm like, if they they don't see Nigerians or Africans you know, as worthwhile, then there's no way that they see me as worthwhile. And so I came up with the idea of providing beauty brands a route to Africa. So in about 2014, I formed a company called Arawa Cosmetics. Arawa is the Yoruba word for beauty or beautiful or beautiful woman. It's loosely translated. And so that's how House of Arawa was born, which is... um, my my business that I'm working on now mm-hmm. and our vision and mission is to bridge the gap between Africa and the global beauty industry and doing so by simultaneously highlighting the beauty industry in Africa uh, and promoting two-way commerce between U.S. beauty brands and Africa. Yeah, and that's actually how we connected because you were telling mm-hmm. me that story in Ghana, and I was like, yeah. you know, I think, I think for me, and like my, my journey with beauty has been been completely different. Um, it all very much stems from like a a skincare point of view. Like I'm yeah. I'm really big on maintaining my skin. It's so crazy when I talk about alignment because, so like you said, you and I met in Ghana which was just this past December, January. Mm-hmm. And you were instantly like, yo, that's this is really dope. Like, you saw the vision like that. I still like, think I, it's genius. 
Thank you. I did not have to do too much explaining. You were like, oh, yeah, like, I'm with it. Mm-hmm. And I did a webinar, because then you and I, we I know we, we traded a few messages, yeah. right? Like, once we got back from Accra. And then I did a webinar in May for House of Arawa. And again, that was really born out of Corona. And it was then that you... And, and and even when I did the webinar, that was the first time I talked about being a cosmetic chemist. Because exactly. to me, it's just, I guess I take for granted, you know, these things. And I'm like, oh, well, yeah, I was a cosmetic chemist. And, you know, it is what it is. Like, I don't see that as something that I need to say. And it wasn't until my friend Nexus, shout out to you, Nex, who was like, girl, you gotta read people your resume sometimes. Like you gotta let you gotta let people know you have receipts and that you actually know what you're talking about. And that's when you afterwards were like, "Yo, I didn't know that you were a cosmetic chemist. I had this idea." Exactly. I research ingredients, um, especially in my skincare. I have an mm. entire spreadsheet. I'll pull up, you know, two screens so I can research something and then add something to my ingredient spreadsheet. That way it's easy to find when I'm trying to figure out what the hell I'm looking at with all of these crazy words. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So when you got on your webinar and you said mm-hmm. that you were a former cosmetic chemist, I was like, oh, wait, wait a minute. I didn't, I didn't know that. Um, and right. so I asked you about it. I did my pitch and you were down and I was like, this might work. What's funny about that is I got on the phone with you ready to tell you that I that I wasn't going to do it because I thought you wanted to do like strictly product reviews. And I was like, this is not my lane. Like, I don't. Who I don't, buying all these products I, to review? <laughs> I'm just telling you what was in my mind. I was like, damn. And I really liked Talia. I was like, oh. and it wasn't until you said there are there aren't many beauty podcasts hosted by black women. You were like, there's maybe like just, there's literally a handful of them. And you were like, and nobody is talking about, everyone's talking about beauty in the context of Western beauty and K-beauty, but nobody's talking about African beauty. And I was like, ooh, that made me listen to you with a different lens. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. I see where you're trying to go with this. You know what I mean? And and then I think it was also for me another point where I was like, oh, yeah, this, you know, I'm with it was you and I are both very similar in that we don't we don't feel like we fit the traditional beauty mode. Yeah. Like or mold rather, you know, and and I started to really think about that. And I was like, I mean, even our the name that we came up with beauty needs me is is it speaks to the fact that there's a place for everyone, right? It speaks to the fact that you don't have to look a certain way. You don't have to meet a certain standard. There's a place for you in beauty. Yeah, you know, like I I just think that it's important to show an inclusive space for beauty that feels familiar. Yeah. You know, I think think there's enough room and in the podcast world for all you know different opinions and different people and for different you know founders and like influencers to shine so that's why we're here that's why beauty needs us i i think that beauty needs to be accessible like i'm a i'm a real accessible person i'm just a, mm-hmm. a regular i'm not even a famous actress like people probably like oh girl you actress what you've been and i'll be like nothing you've seen 
Trust me. <laughs> Trust Nothing me. you've seen yet. Nothing you've seen yet. You know, but I I think that beauty does need to feel accessible. It, it needs to feel inclusive. It needs to feel like, you know, everyday people dealing with, you know, yeah. dealing with everyday things like, you yeah. know, skincare and maintenance and and figuring out a way to to understand like the fact that I do so much research as a as a regular person like that's just on my own shit but it's like yeah. you know everyone doesn't feel like it but they still care and mm-hmm. it's you know it it needs to be it needs to be accessible and yeah. and I think that I think that I could do that I I think that that's a big thing that I bring to the podcast is that I'm just yeah. you know your homegirl talking shit about beauty <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Why does beauty need you? They need somebody who, you know, toes the line and and walks the world of science, but also walks the line, the world of beauty. They need somebody who is becoming the face of change in industry, even if you can't see it yet, (laughs) who is still a simple girl and who is still a regular girl. And beauty needs me because I provide a voice for women who may have otherwise been looked over because the standards of beauty may have told them that it doesn't include them. 